Saryumata bears witness to the events and incidents of the Ramayana in the Treta Yug, to the reclamation of the Bhavyanam Mandir in Ayodhya in the present day. She was the source for Bhagwan Ram, a reincarnation of Bhagwan Vishnu, and his devotees in Ayodhya to return to Vishnuji's abode, Vaikunt Dham. On 2nd of November 1990, once again, albeit in shocking circumstances, the souls of Sri Ram's devotees departed for Vaikunt right from the banks of the Saryu. The Mulayam Singh-led UP police had opened fire on a large group of car sevaks who had come to Ayodhya to demand that the colonial Babri structure be demolished and the Ram Mandir be reconstructed. The Kothari brothers, Ram and Sharat Kothari, were the first ones to mount a saffron flag atop the Babri controversial structure. A report filed on 3rd of November 1990 in Jansatta said that an unidentified car sevak from Sri Ganga Nagar, Rajasthan fell after being shot and as he fell, he wrote Sitaram on the road with his blood. The report mentioned that even after this car sevak fell to the ground, the CRPF personnel shot seven bullets into his skull. As per official figures, 16 car sevaks were killed in cold blood, but actual numbers are believed to be much higher. Their only crime was that they staged peaceful demonstrations by expressing their religious reverence and singing bhajans. Little did they know that their act would send a wave across the country that would come right back to hit that very spot on 6th of December 1992, for nothing and no one could soil the spirits of Ram Bhakts. Twenty-five months later, on 6th of December 1992, Hindus reminded the world once again that they hadn't remotely been deterred in their fight for divine justice. The Vishwa Hindu Parishad organized a Kar Seva in Ayodhya in 1992, and an area was marked for worship on 6th of December. Kar Sevaks from across the country began to pour into Ayodhya in large numbers, even as security personnel were deployed in equally large numbers. According to Mahant Brishmohandas, who witnessed the demolition of the Babri structure on the 6th of December, the birthplace of Sri Ram was filled with joy and enthusiasm. He says that only those who were present in Ayodhya on that day can explain what God's miracles and powers are. On that day, a car sevak had entered an empty bus belonging to the security forces near Hanumangadi and raced it towards the Babri structure, shattering all barricades and paving the way for car sevaks who followed. Call it divine intervention, that a symbol of tyranny, savagery and bigotry was raised to dust that day. This formed the cornerstone of the Ram Janmabhumi movement. Kar Sevaks cut the barbed wire, barricading the Babri structure and climbed on top of it. The three worn-out tombs of the Babri structure were brought down in less than six hours. This was the first line of treatment for the wounded Hindu civilization. All thanks and namans to the Kar Sevaks who risked their lives once again. Hindus display to the world that when justice is delayed and denied, when a civilization seeking justice is brutalized and demonized, we will come to our own defense. On 22nd of January 2024, we must remember and celebrate the men and women across the nation who enabled this movement and reignited hope in Hindus. They taught us that bullets and barricades cannot kill our souls. We must dare to demolish injustice to the ground every time it pops its ugly face and paves the way for justice. Ramesh Chandra Mishra was born in the Tikri region of Gonda district. Barisalpur, his village, is around 15 kilometers from Ayodhya. 
According to villagers, after Ramesh Mishra's sacrifice, his family left Barisalpur and relocated to Ayodhya. But the name Ramesh Mishra, who gave his life to Ramjan Bhumi three decades ago, is still fresh in the thoughts of the Gonda villagers. Kar Sevaks from Delhi, Punjab and many other states had gathered in his village. They all wanted to reach Ayodhya at any cost, but the police was catching them on the way. Ramesh Chandra used to be a postman in the postal service, so he was familiar with many of the village's back roads that the police was unaware of. So he organized a march to Ramjan Bhumi with the help of car sevaks from his village and adjacent areas and reached Ayodhya city by taking various routes, avoiding the policemen deployed on the road. But then bullets were fired on the orders of the chief minister, Mulayam Singh Yadav. These bullets hit Ramesh Chandra in his stomach and he lost his life. According to reports, he was killed by gunfire within a short distance from Ram Janmabhumi. When he did not return home, his family members began looking for him and eventually learned that Ramesh Chandra Mishra had been martyred. His wife and son headed for Ayodhya, but the police stationed on the city's borders refused them entry. After much screaming and pleading, they were able to reach the Sriram hospital. Many dead bodies were kept there, including Ramchandra's lifeless body, which was lying in a corner. When his wife Sushila Devi set out for the village with her son, bearing her husband's lifeless bones, she was halted again at the Ayodhya border. His son Divakar Mishra said that he and his mother kept appealing to the police to let them move the dead body back to the village. This plea, however, did not affect the deployed police. Divakar said that a police officer threatened my mother and said that either burn the body here and now, otherwise they'll snatch it and throw it in the river. Ramesh's family members appealed to the Vedic tradition that cremation should not take place at night, but the policemen ignored them. Ultimately, Ramesh Chandra's widow and his son accepted defeat and took the body to the nearby crematorium as per the instructions of the administration. The police force continued to accompany the dead body even while it was being taken away. Ultimately, contrary to the Dharmic tradition, Ramesh Chandra Mishra was cremated in the crematorium of Ayodhya at midnight. Ramesh Chandra Mishra's sons are disappointed that he has been forgotten during the last three decades. The family was overjoyed with the establishment of the Ram Mandir because it fulfilled their father's final wish. But the family hopes that the government would also build a memorial to honor the sacrifice of their father in Ayodhya. Vasudev Gupta, who used to run a sweet shop, was a resident of Ayodhya and a great devotee of Bajrangbali. When the Ram Mandir liberation movement started, worshippers from different parts of the country were reaching Ayodhya. Meanwhile, Vasudev Gupta told his family that it wouldn't reflect well on the people of Ayodhya if he didn't join them. He said that those living in Ayodhya would be laughed at in the future for not coming out of their houses. Vasudev was shot three times in the waist and stomach after he went out with a group of Karsevaks. His life ended on the spot. The lifeless body of Vasudev was discovered at Ram Janmabhumi in Ramkot. His wife Shakuntala was also at the scene 
when the disputed structure collapsed in 1992. She provided treatment to numerous injured car sevaks during that time. She had to fight to obtain Vasudev's dead body because there was a reluctance to hand over his body after the post-mortem. However, there were loud protests during this period from Hindu organizations which compelled Mulayam Singh's administration to back down. His daughter Seema Gupta revealed that a threatening letter was delivered to their home after her father's death. This three-page letter was stamped by Hizbul Mujahideen and written in Urdu. The letter contained multiple threats along with You have sent one, keep the other one safe. Saryu River will be named Sharifa River and Ayodhya will be renamed Ayubabad. Seema Gupta said that one by one, her mother, one sister and one brother passed away following the death of her father. Every one of them died from illness and could have been saved if they had received the necessary funding for medical care. There are currently one son and two married daughters in Vasudev's household. His son Sandeep Gupta is married and a father of two children. He said that after the death of his father, mother, brother and sister, his family was in terrible monetary plight. Vishwa Hindu Parishad and Ram Janmabhumi Trust then employed Sandeep in the locker department of the Ram Janmabhumi. Sandeep receives a meager pay, but the family members remarked that when there is nothing, at least the little money keeps this house running. Seema Gupta hoped that the Hindu society and the current government would help improve the condition of her family sooner or later. Vasudev Gupta's family is very happy with the construction of the Sri Ram Mandir as their father's dream has been realized with the building of the temple. They desire that the temple commemorates the sacrifices made by their father and other bhakts of Sri Ram. Rajendra Dharkar's house is just half a kilometer away from the Ram Janmabhumi. The house stands next to a canal that can be crossed by a narrow and temporary cement road. The one-story house appears to have been unpainted for at least 20 years. The plaster is crumpling. His oldest niece is around 18 years old. She revealed that she had discontinued her studies because of a lack of funds. The older brother of Rajendra, Chamandharkar, currently makes a living by crafting bamboo baskets and other items. The family of Rajendra Dharkar may be living in extreme poverty, but the traces of adherence to God can be witnessed at every step of this house. The family worships a neem tree outside the house, which they refer to as Goddess Sheetala, and posters of Mahadev were glued to the Suti walls. Rajendra's family came to Ayodhya many generations ago from Azamgarh district in search of work. Rajendra was a staunch devotee of Sri Ram and a frequent visitor to the Janmabhumi. On 30th of October 1990, when Rajendra saw a gathering of car sevaks from across the country in front of his own house, he too joined them. Chaman, Rajendra's brother, was equally adamant about accompanying him to car seva at the time. But Rajendra asked him to look after the family and departed. He started to move towards the disputed structure in the crowd of car sevaks, and then the bullets started firing and claimed his life. Rajendra Dharkar's aunt, Madhuri, mentioned that she witnessed the incident. They hurried to the scene as soon as they learned that Rajendra had been shot. They were stopped by the police and were not permitted to proceed any further. Madhuri Dharkar added that they managed to make it to the Sriram hospital somehow. Her feet were soaked from the amount of blood spilt at the hospital. The sounds of distant gunfire still reached their ears. 
They eventually located Rajendra's body lying on the ground after searching through the many corpses kept at the hospital. He was shot in the head and in the leg. The administration barred Rajendra's family from taking his remains to be cremated. A fight broke out between his family and the administration at the post-mortem facility, after which the body was handed over to the former on the condition that they would not be allowed to take it home. In the end, the family was forced to transport his body straight from the hospital to the cremation site. The body was also accompanied by police personnel to the crematorium. The nieces of Rajendra additionally mentioned that their uncle was married, but the ritual of Gona, the consummation of marriage, was pending. He died before it could happen, and the bride's family arranged her marriage somewhere else. Although nobody has cared about the family in the previous 30 years, they're ecstatic to see the Ram Mandir being constructed and described it as Rajendra's dream come true. The members of this family of six children are living hand to mouth. Rajendra Dharkar's family is hoping that the present administration will pay attention to their house and help to improve their financial condition. The family of the late Ramesh Kumar Pandey resides in Ayodhya's Rani Bazar area. This place is very close to the Hanumangadi temple. The house where Ramesh Kumar Pandey's family lives is hundreds of years old. They have been residing here for nearly 40 years as tenants. They do not have a house of their own. His son Suresh said that his father was originally from the neighboring district of Gonda and moved to Ayodhya for work, working as a clerk in a brick kiln. Ramesh, an ardent devotee of Sri Ram, wanted to rent a house near the Sri Ram Janmabhumi. He eventually found a room to rent in Hanuman Gadi, where his family continues to reside. After the firing incident on October the 30th, 1990, the Malayam Singh-led government believed it had crushed the Ramjan Bhumi liberation movement. Ramesh Kumar Pandey had set out, together with a group of devotees towards the Ramjan Bhumi, with the desire to have the darshan of Sri Ram. Many other residents of Ayodhya were also in the group. Meanwhile, bullets were fired on the orders of Mulayam Singh. Ramesh Kumar Pandey was leading the group when a bullet hit his head and he died on the spot. The location where he was shot was just 300 meters from his house and only half a kilometer from the Ayodhya police station. After spotting the group of Ram devotees singing the Ram Bhajan, police force had come out, laid siege and open fired, killing Ramesh Kumar Pandey. Suresh recalled the struggles his mother went through to get her husband's dead body. No administrative officer was initially willing to explain what happened to Ramesh Pandey. Her husband's death was revealed to her by people accompanying him in the group. Suresh recalls that his mother pleaded incessantly and kept trying to retrieve her husband's dead body, foregoing food and water. Eventually, Ramesh Kumar's body was found among the dead bodies of many other victims. After the legal formalities, his last rites were conducted in Ayodhya. Even at the time of the funeral, Ayodhya police was present and the people who attended the funeral procession were also under the shadow of guns. Suresh said that his father was around 40 years old at the time of his death in 1990. Ramesh's wife was roughly 35 years old at the time. He left behind four children, two daughters and two sons. His son Suresh now runs a modest shop to support the family. He further said that forget financial assistance. For the past three decades, he and his family have not even been invited to any platform recognizing his father's sacrifice 
and his family has been deprived of the respect that they deserve. But Suresh is hopeful that with the changed atmosphere of the holy city, the government and people of Hindu society will take care of his house. The late Ramesh Pandey's family is overjoyed that a spectacular Sri Ram Mandir is being constructed. Suresh told us that it felt like his father's soul had found eternal peace and that the greatest credit for the construction of the temple goes to those Ram devotees who sacrificed their lives. Suresh hopes that the present government will erect a memorial in Ayodhya honoring his father's sacrifice, which will serve as an inspiration for the bhakts of Bhagwan Ram today and in the future. Ram Achal Gupta was associated with the Rashtriya Swayam Sevak Sangh since childhood. During the period of the Rath Yatra initiated by L.K. Advani, Ram Achal played a notably active role. During that period, Ram Achal operated a pan shop in Rudali Bazar. He tied the knot with Rajkumari Gupta, a resident of the Khansa area of Ayodhya, but according to his son Sanjay, Ramachal never put his family above dharma. His brother Ramtej recounts that on 28th of October 1990, he accompanied his brother to participate in Kar Seva. This assembly of Kar Sevaks included numerous individuals from neighboring villages. Their initial efforts involved providing meals to the visiting Ram devotees and arranging accommodations for the rest. Subsequently, Ramachal, along with his companions, departed for Ayodhya by traversing through fields to evade the policemen stationed on the main road. Despite the tragic incident on 30th of October 1990, when numerous car sevaks fell victim to the police gunfire in Ayodhya, Ramachal Gupta remained undeterred and chose not to return home. His brother Ramtej said that on 2nd of November 1990, he and his brother congregated at the Maniram Das cantonment in Ayodhya. This location had already become a gathering point for thousands of car sevaks from across the country. The officers and representatives from the administration arrived at their location and reached an understanding that all the car sevaks would be allowed to visit the Sri Ram Janmabhumi and then they would be sent home. Following this agreement, groups of car sevaks began to depart from various points, heading towards the Sri Ram Janmabhumi amidst heavy security. However, the police subsequently intercepted and halted these groups at different locations en route to the Sri Ram Janmabhumi. Reflecting on the events, Ramtej recounts that the group he was part of, alongside his brother Ramachal, was halted near the Bada Post Office, a location merely half a kilometer from Hanuman Gadi. Frustrated by the interruption, the car sevaks began to peacefully express their dissent by sitting on the road and singing Ram Bhajans. During this peaceful protest, two police contingents arrived at the scene. One was equipped with batons, while the other carried firearms. Ramtej described a sudden turn of events, recounting how the police, without any prior warning, launched an assault on the car sevaks who were engaged in singing bhajans. The situation quickly escalated from a lati charge to gunfire, resulting in a chaotic stampede. Amidst this turmoil, Ramtej found himself separated from his brother Ramachal. There was chaos everywhere and the police came down to brutality. He observed car sevaks from various parts of the country frantically running amidst this turmoil, shouldering the lifeless bodies of their fellow devotees. The atmosphere was further intensified as tear gas shells were deployed, enveloping the area in thick smoke. During the chaos, bullets were fired, causing car sevaks to fall to the ground. During his search for his brother, he arrived at Maniram Das Cantonment, 
where he discovered the dead body of Ramachal Gupta alongside the dead body of his brother the bodies of approximately 6 other car sevaks including the kothari brothers were also present tragically ramachal gupta had succumbed to a gunshot wound in the chest the family of ramachal gupta lives in shujagan bazar situated near the lucknow ayodhya road to sustain their livelihood they operate a grocery store ramachal who sacrificed his life at the tender age of 26 left behind two sons and one daughter presently all of them are married rajkumari gupta the wife of ramachal gupta is presently 55 years old the family has built a big temple in front of their house they have fought a long battle to save this temple from the land mafia ramachal was cremated in a part of this temple premises a samadhi and a memorial have been built at this place where he was cremated According to family members this memorial inspires nearby Hindus to fight for dharma they had received threats from a terrorist organization called the Students Islamic Movement of India about 10 years ago the threat was made by throwing pamphlets in the temple near the samadhi the leaflet read we will bomb this place his son sanjay gupta said that the leaders who were present during his father's cremation had announced to change the name of the locality from shujaganj to ram achalnagar but it had not been implemented yet shuja ganj is named after shujad dola the former nawab of awadh the family of ramachal gupta also wishes that a memorial be built in ayodhya for those who sacrificed their lives in kar seva sanjay gupta said that he is very happy with the construction of the ram mandir and that his father's contribution to this work is a matter of pride for him sanjay kumar singh left his house quietly on october the 30th 1990 He had left behind two infant daughters, two-year-old Smriti and two-month-old Kriti, and a wife. The government was on high alert to ensure that no car sevaks reached Ayodhya. In such a scenario, he travelled from Gonda to Ayodhya with other car sevaks, traversing fields and barns. In Ayodhya, he was joined by his friend Naresh Kumar. They both joined the car sevaks who arrived in Ayodhya under the leadership of Uma Bharti and were marching in the direction of the Hanuman Gadi Temple. Meanwhile the Mulayam Singh Yadav government ordered firing on them bullets fired from behind their backs killed five car sevaks Sanjay Kumar Singh was one of the five martyrs on that fateful day his mortal remains never reached his home as his last rites were performed on the banks of the river Saryu Sanjay could not even be seen for the last time by his family his fellow car sevaks immersed his ashes in the sacred Saryu returning only with his memories Sanjay Singh's wife has also passed away since then. His elder daughter Smriti has been invited to Ramlala's consecration ceremony and she intends to take part in the program with her family. In Sanjay Singh's hometown, a trust has been established in his honor. A statue has also been installed in his village and a park is being constructed that will be dedicated to the public following the consecration of the Ram Mandir. Dr. Arvind Kumar Singh, president of the Sanjay Singh Memorial Trust said that my friend's sacrifice will not be in vain he had also served as a car sevak in the ram mandir movement alongside sanjay singh baba satyanarayan maurya was present on location when the temporary ram mandir was built at the disputed site on december the 6th 1992 hundreds of car sevaks brought down the disputed babri structure in ayodhya the babri structure was symbolic of a brute strength of how a native culture was subjugated 
it was a dark symbol of tyranny and barbarism. And on December the 6th, that monument of tyranny came crumbling down. And thus began another chapter in the glorious history of the great Hindu civilization. Baba Satyanarayan Maurya, one of those Karsevaks who were present at the time when the temporary mandir was built, narrates how they had to think quickly and build a temporary mandir to place the Ramlala idol at the site before armed forces entered the premises to take them away. He said that on 7th of December, when we came to know that police is arriving in the demolition site in a few hours, we did not have any way to build the temple quickly. If we did not build a temporary mandir at the site, it would have still been a disputed land, not the location of Ram Mandir. Bhagwan Ram showed us the path and we built a small temporary mandir using the cloth we took with us to make banners. This temporary mandir or the temple tent remained in the same structure till the time the Ramlala Murti was shifted in March 2020 by Yogi Adityanath ahead of the construction of the Ram Mandir. With the shifting of the Murti, the site was cleared for the construction of the Grand Ram Mandir. Many things have happened in the post-1947 India, but if we talk about things or events that happened on a particular day, then perhaps two stick out. One of them is the transfer of power on the 15th of August, 1947, and the second is the demolition of the Barbary structure. But there is a big difference between uh, these two civilization-defining events. The first one was handed to us. Sure, there were people who fought for it. They were freedom fighters who really fought for it in the early part of the 20th century. There was the INA and, of course, the Navy Rebellion. But still, it was handed over to us, a transfer of power. But what makes the success of the Ram Janmabhumi movement so special is that the Hindus got together, they fought for this, they spilled their blood and their sweat, and they won a victory. Because in how many, in how many countries do you see barbaric symbols of colonization, especially Islamic colonization, being torn down in a particular land that belonged to the natives being reclaimed like this? So it is a victory to be celebrated. And instead of falling for idiotic secular narratives, every Hindu, or rather every Indian, should feel happy that a colonial structure built by a barbaric invader has been brought down. So Ayodhya is not like 1947. It is a hard-fought victory. And I'll end this episode of this podcast by reading something from Veer Savarkar. You who rose proclaiming loud that you will not sheath your sword till you had cut asunder the chains that hold your Hindu land and your Hindu race in abject subjection till you made it safe for all Hindus to practice their faith unmolested until you have consolidated them into a great and powerful Hindu empire. How can you sheath that sword and sink back into ignoble peace while a mosque is rising on the ruins of the temple of Vishweshwar at Kashi? while the alien horse crosses unchecked and unopposed the sacred waters of the Sindhu, and while the alien sails float triumphant on the waves of the Hindu seas. This great movement was ushered into being for no parochial, no provincial, no personal ends, but for Hindu dharma and a Hindu viswaraj, a Hindu patpatshahi. So pour out you Hindus in your hundreds and your thousands and carry this sacred Gerua banner across the Narmada, across the Chambal, across the Jamana and the Ganga, the Indus and the Brahmaputra, down to the seas and strive. 
The stories that have been used uh, in this episode have been sourced from the Opedia website. You can go to the website and search for Ram Mandir archives and you should be able to read them and many more stories about these amazing people who fought uh, for the construction of the great Ram Mandir. Till the next time I see you, Jai Hind, Vande Matram and Jai Sri Ram.